<laughs> the title of my message today is Focus In. Focus In. And the scriptures that we are going to look at is Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. And that about wraps it up. And Jesus, uh, and they're speaking here, and, and, and uh, not Jesus, but Paul is speaking here. And he says that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the most, excuse me, well-made weapons of the best materials. Now, we know that this is considered the armor of God section here, but sometimes in our life we need to understand what we're supposed to focus on, okay? So what I did this morning is I, I brought my binoculars. <laughs> so... I can, get a bit, I can get a good look, up close and personal, you know, and then, oh, whoa, you know, I don't want to be that close. All right, so <laughs> we know that binoculars can really bring things in. There's yeah, there he is, he's in the back waving, yes, yes. Uh, so we see that binoculars have, a, have a, a, a great effect of helping us to focus. But I, I like the story about the one little boy He's, he's standing upstairs in, uh, in his bedroom window, and he's looking out the binoculars from the wrong way. And his dad said, well, son, you're using the wrong end to look through. And he says, that's okay. I'm looking at the guy, the kid who's the bully across the street, and I'm just focusing in on how small he really is. <laughs> so in our lives, there are times that we need to focus in on the wrong end, because looking from the bottom through to the top, or the, uh, the islands, we find that it puts things out at a distance. And if we look at things the way God does, how does God see? You see, whenever our problems are big, we've got bigger blessings and bigger promises. So sometimes we get caught looking through the lens part of the goggles and making mountains out of molehills, <laughs> taking small things and blowing them out of proportion. But you see, when God gives us the lens of the Scripture, that he wants us to see things afar off. Hmm. Abraham, <laughs> he could see the promise of God that out there somewhere in his destiny, out there somewhere in his future, there was a child. Out there somewhere in his future, there was as many descendants as the stars of the sky. And you see, Abraham didn't need binoculars to see the distance. God brought him out of the tent and says, Abraham, I want you to look up. Abraham looked up and he says, can you count them? <laughs> That's how many your descendants will be. Who? So whenever we see how that there are difficulties that come into our life, God has already prepared us to meet these difficulties. When there are things that go wrong, we need to look at that God is always there, and God is the one who is helping us to see, to see, <laughs> to see them correctly, and to see how that his promise is going to fit into our own life. So we know that we're not, we're not left alone in this. We know that God has not left us defenseless, we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us, so in everything give thanks, because I can see, hi Ruth, I can see the promises of God being applied to 
this part of my life. And so if we don't have a pair of binoculars, <laughs> you know, it's coming hunting season, and uh, if you like to hunt, we, you know, you go out and you can see if the deer has any horns on or not. And uh, so it's important that we're able to see what we're looking at. And here we need to focus in. And this scripture here where Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he's telling them, and it's about wraps it up, that God is strong. First of all, God is strong. There is nothing impossible for God. He is the creator of the universe. He spoke the universe into existence uh, and, and uh, he spoke it all. And then he breathed into man and made us a living soul. So we are different than any other aspect of creation. God spoke. He is strong enough. He is great enough to be able to speak. And whatever he speaks, he creates. So what God is creating in us, he never creates chaos. He doesn't create confusion. He doesn't create a belittling spirit. He doesn't degrade. You see, whenever we were, saying, the song we were singing before as we prayed and sing in the presence of Jehovah, um, I was remembering that the children of Israel, they had uh, the tabernacle, and inside the tabernacle they had the, holies, the holy place, the smaller tent in which contained the, the back part of the, the tent, contained the, um, the Ark of the Covenant with um, the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded, and a vessel of the manna. And on that place, it was considered the angels and the cherubims were there, and that was called the mercy seat of God. And the presence of God was the focus of the entire nation of Israel. It was, the, it was like this is where God said that he would be with the children of Israel and his presence descended. They could see this. They could see the presence of God descending, as it were, into that holy place. And so the, this was considered the place where God dwelt. And, you know, it was, it was a way of getting a, a group of individuals to understand that God is a person, that God is a personage, and that he can be in one place at one time, and yet he can be at all places at all times. And it's not within our finite recognition of, of understanding or being able to see how God is everywhere present, but yet present here with me. And if the psalmist David says, if I take the wings of the morning and fly to the othermost parts of the earth, if I can travel at the speed of light, I cannot out distance God, that I cannot be here and be there uh, quicker than God can be because God's already there. You see, these are the things that set in motion for us about being strong. You know, um, I read in the, the caption in the USA Today that it said that um, people don't care if uh, Tom Brady cheated to, to arrive at his goal of winning the Super Bowl. People don't care that, that he that he may have cheated. Well, I don't know if he did or didn't, but the, 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 the sad thing is people don't care <laughs> if he lied or cheated to get to his goal. And see, the, the fundamental part of what God teaches us is truth. Being true to God, true to ourselves, and that anything that we would gain by deceit is really not gain. And anytime someone would 
cheat or deceive us to gain something that we don't follow up with anger and bitterness. We follow up with forgiveness and love because God will take care of that as he will take care of rewarding me that I might be this person of character, this person of God. You see, we, we don't learn that in the streets. We don't learn that in the schools. We learn that in church. We learn that in a place where we can make a difference in our life. And the importance of your lives and the importance of our children is that we are making a difference because we're teaching them something that cannot be found anywhere else but in the church and in the Word of God. And we, we look at it from a perspective that God is alive and that the presence of Jehovah, which was in the temple, in the, in the tabernacle, in the tent of the Old Testament, is the same presence of Jehovah that's in our own lives. And so whenever we're talking about being strong in the Lord, we're talking about God who is in me has great strength. See, God who is in me gives me great strength. He gives me the strength to do the right thing for the right reasons. He gives me the strength to believe that I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. I believe, and see, this belief activates the power of God that resides within us. <laughs> you see, when we give our, forget, ask our sins to be forgiven, we ask Christ to forgive us. This is God's dwelling place. God didn't come to dwell in places built by man. He came to dwell within the hearts of people. That he would write his commandments upon the hearts of his children. And so whenever we are doing the right thing for the right reasons, God is stirring us God inside of us is calling upon us to be strong. So when I'm saying that God is strong, excuse me, when I'm saying that God is strong, it is God who is the creator of the universe is inside of me in that strength is God inside of me causing me to think of and to pray and to ask for strength? So God is at work inside of us to be strong. Now, he wants you to be strong. You see, and he wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you to be strong. And the strength that is in God is in us because God is in us. Now, the next one. So take everything the master has set out for you. Well-made weapons of the best materials. And this is leading up to the armor of God. What God has given to us is the best materials. God has given to us a security in our thoughts, the helmet of salvation, a security in our thoughts that we know, we can know the mind of God. <laughs> you see, we can know the mind of God because we know the word of God. The mind of God will never contradict his word. So the word, we must know the word. That's why, you know, okay, why does preachers preach? Why do we read the scriptures? Why do we read devotionals? Why? We want to put the word in our heart and in our minds so that we have some type of balance. Our society doesn't give us a, a balance between spirit and life. 
our, our society and our newspapers and our, most of our magazines and everything point us purely in a, in a, in a self-centered direction. God enables us to determine the difference between selfishness and how that God wants and how that God is pleased with us. God is pleased with you. He loves you. That's not being selfish. That's recognizing that God sees me as special. Selfishness over here is self-centeredness that says, "You know, I'm special because I'm better than you." See, that's the society telling us you deserve everything you can get and take from society. God is saying, you, do, you can have everything that I have for you. All of my promises, all of my blessings, all of my, you can have this because I think you're special. I think you're worth it. I love you so much I would die for you. I love you so much, I will rise from the dead and I will impart that spirit inside of you that no matter what happens to you, nothing can ever separate us from me, separate me from you. So that type of understanding gives us a healthy self-image. That we are aware that God loves you. That's not being selfish. If it were selfish, God loves me and he doesn't love you. <laughs> That's selfish. But what, and the selfish is, God can do for me, but he won't do it for you. That's selfish. But God is saying, what I've done for others, I can do for you. And that God, who is at work in us, is very strong. The Bible says, in my weakness, I find God's strength. Whoa. In my weakness, I find God's strength. What I'm doing is calling upon God to help me. I'm getting in focus the promises. Yes, we'll see you. They have to leave. <laughs> they have to go, go skating. So we find that as I'm watching them go out the door here. <laughs> At a distance, the church is so large, I have to see the whole way to the back. Yes. All right. <laughs> Thank you for coming <laughs> and uh, being with us. But we see how that God has us in focus and how that God has these things for us to do. And he says that we well-made weapons are the best materials. <clears throat> God does not send us to war against sin and evil with anything that is faulty. <laughs> Nothing is faulty in our, in our armament. God has prepared us with an armament that the enemy cannot penetrate, cannot destroy, and cannot take away from us. So we are, <laughs> the battle's already won because Jesus won the battle at the cross and at the resurrection. So the battle's already won. The enemy is in defeat trying to pretend and trying to convince the victors that they really didn't win. doesn't work that way. And we find that, and, put, and it goes on here, we put on the full armor of God. You know, it is, <laughs> through these lenses, I can see what they're up to. <laughs> I can see what the enemy's up to over there, on that far side of the hill there. I can see what the enemy's up to. Well, if we, whenever we read the scriptures, we know what the enemy's up to. The enemy wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But 
God wants to protect, to heal, and to enlarge. So, and put, the, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. You see, God wants to open, here's one of those thoughts, he wants to open the eyes of our understanding. <laughs> that's a, that's a, eyes of understanding. It should be eyes of sight. <laughs> no, it's eyes of understanding. So that I can see very clearly what's going on and I understand what is happening. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, the disciples uh, in Mark, they, Jesus had just performed his second feeding of the, the first one was the 5,000, the second feeding was of 4,000, and the, the, Jesus is with the disciples and they're on the lake and they didn't bring any bread. <laughs> they had brought one loaf of bread, they didn't bring enough to eat. So they're all worried about, we don't have enough bread, Jesus is mad at us because we didn't bring enough food. You know, and they totally missed the idea. And Jesus is telling them about the leaven, the yeast that is in bread, affects the whole loaf. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were just trying to destroy Jesus, are the leaven of the spiritual life. Don't allow their principles to get into your understanding of your spiritual life. You see, that's where the eyes of our understanding is. How is God helping us to defeat the enemy that is around our life? How is it that God wants to give us the strength to defeat the enemy of our soul? We can see it, we can read it, but how do we make the application? You see, I think of it in the context that inside of us is God. There's a, there's a story here I want to read. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a difficult one, but... Um, it says about prayer, okay? An ordinary, I'll try to, this was, it was set up complicated and I tried to make it simple, but we'll see if I can complicate it more than what it is. An ordinary, simple Christian kneels down to say his prayers. He is trying to get in touch with God, okay? So here we are, trying to get in touch with God. Now, if he is a Christian, he knows that the prompting to pray is also God inside of him. God is prompting us to pray. So we're trying to get a hold of God, and God is prompting us to pray because inside of us, we already have Christ inside of us. Christ has forgiven us of our sins. He lives within our hearts. So God is already inside of us. So we're trying to get a hold of God to, to answer our prayers, and it's God who is prompting us to pray. Now, an ordinary Christian kneels down to say his prayers, but the Christian also knows that all his knowledge of God has come from God. <laughs> oh, so now I have God inside of me, prompting me to pray to God, and what I'm going to make my prayers about, God has already taught me that he will do. Don't worry, there's more. Um, so, whenever we look at this, then we're seeing that what we know of God is what God has taught us, what he has revealed to us in his word. Now, what we have in his word 
is not a history book. What is history? Well, we can read about George Washington, but you cannot know George Washington. <laughs> we can know all the characteristics of George Washington. We can know, you know, all the things, some of the things that he did and why he did them and all the history books and all the, the you know, where he lived in Mount, Mount Washington, Mount Jefferson, right? Isn't that where Washington lived, Jefferson, Mount Jefferson? Mount Vernon, that's it. Okay, teachers. Okay, Washington was Mount Vernon. All right, so we can know about George Washington, but we can't know him. The difference is that God is alive. He's active. The word of God is quick and powerful, alive and active, working inside of our lives, helping us to see with our understanding that God is at work around us. So God is strong, God is inside of me, God is asking me to pray. So, God asks you to pray. All right? What's a prayer, re what's a prayer request that we haven't spoken of here? Uh, any, any, any special, anything? Um, any wants? <laughs> I want this from God. Um, about a car. How many, everybody likes cars. So we all want a new car. Okay, so we need a new car. So the Holy Spirit then prompts us. Now, is that, this is where we just talked about that this morning, but is this our desire to have a car, okay? Now, is it prompted by God or is it prompted by self? That's where we have the conflict. Because if it's too new and too good, we don't deserve it. Hello, who said we don't deserve it? Well, I don't want people to think you don't worry about what people think. You worry about what does God want. See, I can... I have my own wants, you know. <laughs> I have my own wants. I have my own wishes. I have, but you see, what the battle we fight is, is where, what is impossible with God? And what is God prompting us? That God can do all things, but we can't do certain things because that would be wrong. And who told us that they were wrong because... They would be selfish. And where does God come up with being selfish? Selfish is a betrayal of the truth that is inside of us. Well, let's go on. So, and he put the use, of the stand up everything and put them to use, the armor of God, that we'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest. King James has it. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So what's going on in our lives and the connectedness that we have is that we are not fighting against people. We're not warring against mind, mind over matter, and if you don't mind, it don't matter, okay? Um, this battle that we are in is for keeps. This battle that we are in is a life and death struggle. And... We are in this fight to the finish. So, God is at work inside of us, prompting us to understand that he loves us, he can do all things, that God, nothing is impossible, nothing will ever separate us. So we're trying to find this place of connection where God says, you have the helmet of salvation that protects our thoughts. You see, our mind is very important. To have faith 
we don't have to check our brain at the door. <laughs> but to have faith, sometimes it goes beyond what we can understand, such as to believe. Here's Jesus with telling the disciples, okay, uh, we need to feed all these people. What do we have? Well, we got five loaves, five flat pancakes, and two sardines, five loaves and two fishes. Okay, our thinking would say, as the disciples, what is that among so many? But Jesus is saying, what about your heart? What about your faith? What about your compassion? Jesus had a compassion or a passion for the crowd. So what does he do? Takes the five loaves, two fish. He breaks it and blesses it, puts it in 12 baskets. The baskets go out and feed all the 5,000. It comes back with 12 baskets full. That doesn't fit our thought life. But it fits our heart life. Because our heart understands God can do anything. God is capable of moving mountains. God is capable of bringing us to the Red Sea and causing the sea to part. See, this is the difference between what goes in our head and in our heart, and our understanding of both are there for us to grasp, and the Holy Spirit then comes as our partner in all this, and he's leading us and guiding us so the eyes of our understanding can look at life and say, this is beyond my ability, but you know what? I feel that God wants me to do this. You know, I, I look at my book over here, and I, when I've thought about it for 20 years, I've got, I've got um, outlines of this from maybe 30 years ago. And they just, they're, they're piled up. It's something that was in my heart, but I never believed that I could do it. But see, my eyes of understanding and my heart of compassion said I have to do this because it's important that people have a tool that, that was useful in working with individuals, that there's a tool that is useful that I can, that's greater than what I can reach and go to people that I'll never meet or see. So this is where we look through the eyes of our understanding that says, this is what I want you to do, and you feel we can't, but the spirit inside of us says, I want you to do this. That's the eyes of our understanding. And the armor of God protects our thoughts, our enemy, and we're, the only division we have is us saying, well, God, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> and God is saying, I wouldn't have prompted you if I didn't want you to. I wouldn't have put the dream in you if there was no dream to be fulfilled. And you see, we look for the perfect, but God is in every good thing. Every good thing. The people around us, we need to compliment them. <laughs> we need to say thank you. And remember what that, that was? I was in, read that in uh, a couple weeks ago. It said that the most important thing in a marriage is to say thank you. Not yes, dear. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody said yes, dear. But, uh, uh, but no, the, it was thank you. And isn't it significant that God says in everything give thanks? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Seeing Jesus in our relationships, seeing Jesus in every good thing enables us then to see God in the perfect. And God sees you as perfect, but we can't get past our faults. We need to see the good that God has put inside of us, and we need to see how God is going to work that good in our lives.
I have one other thought. We're going to close with this one. Um, <laughs> I'm going to use this illustration maybe next Sunday. I had three illustrations for today, and I, I was just busting out all over to use all three, but I had to limit myself to one. But I'm going to use two. And one is a God bag. You're going to have a bag. Next week, I'm bringing you a bag, okay? And in that bag, and I'll have three by five cards in there, and you're going to take something out, and you're going to write down, I can't do this, but God can. <laughs> Not I can't do it. Say, this is, a, this is a God thing. He has to do this, and you put it in the bag. And you don't worry about it because God is going to do it in your life. And everything that comes up in your life, whether it's a prayer request, whether it's a personal de- need or desire or whatever, it's something beyond your abilities. It's beyond what you can do by yourself. Once you write it down, put it in the bag. That's a God bag. And what we're going to see is, with the eyes of our understanding, we're going to believe that God can do anything. That he, that he says, that he places in our heart. Amen? Let's stand. So, God inside of us is prompting us to pray so that we would understand the principles that God wants to give to us in our lives. They're not selfish, and they're not self-centered. They are God-centered And that as we do these things, God will take the five loaves and the two fishes and multiply them because that's what's in your hands. And God will take what is in your hands and make a difference in the world around you. Thank you, Father, for your word. I pray, God, that that your Holy Spirit will make real and make part of our hearts and minds these truths that you give to us. I pray, God, that you will help us through the eyes of our understanding, through our hearts, O God, that you prompt us, through the Spirit, O God, that enlightens your word. God, bring it to reality inside of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.